Chapter Four of the Randolphs by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: Planning a Siege. Mr. Harper was unusually quiet and grave during the evening. Several times his wife's eyes rested on him anxiously, and she speculated whether the talk with Tom that she had caught the murmur of had aught to do with his thoughtfulness. She was greatly troubled about that brother. Like the rest of the world, she had been less anxious about him when he had all the semblance of propriety and respectability about his life, and was in actual danger, than now when he had stepped upon the sure foundation. Still it was a life full to the brim with temptation. It is little wonder that she was troubled. Now, as she sat listening to the talk around her, and watching the deepening gravity of her husband's face, she worked herself into a fever of anxiety and fear. What did his keen eyes see in Tom that warned him of coming danger? The door had scarcely closed upon them, in the privacy of their own room, ere she said eagerly, "'What is it? I have been so worried all the evening.' Mr. Harper turned to her in surprise. "'Worried, my dear child? I thought this a supremely happy evening to you. What can have happened to worry you?' it is your face she said with a little laugh it has looked sad and anxious and thoughtful and puzzled all at once i am sure something is wrong with tom will you tell me exactly what it is he answered her with promptness but still with gravity i believe in my heart that you may dismiss all fears in regard to tom now and for ever the lord himself has put a shield around him such as cannot be moved he has changed and grown his Christian development is such as to make me feel what it is possible to attain, and what I have been losing. Mrs. Harper answered the sentence with a half-amused laugh. It was such a strange idea that anyone could have developed to a degree that would startle her husband, who seemed to be walking with long strides on the upward journey. "'Then what can be the matter?' she asked, returning to the subject of his anxiety. "'I know you have been troubled all the evening.' is it father's state? I don't think I have been troubled exactly, except about details, he said, sitting down beside her. But I have been very busy thinking, and some of the plans need your judgment. They have matured rapidly, for most of them have been outgrowths from your brother's words spoken this evening. Let me tell you about our talk. Maria was in the kitchen sprinkling and folding clothes, preparatory to tomorrow's ironing, tom was with her this half hour before bedtime when the rest of the household had separated and there were little last things to do was this brother and sister's special time tom was building a scientific fire that should snap and sputter and burn vividly the instant the morning match was touched to it nobody but maria knew what a comfort that carefully laid building of chips and papers was to her she deserved a thorough scolding for the fact that never once did she say such a simple sentence as this. "'Tom, that fire arranged overnight is a great help to me.' It would have been a pleasant sound for Tom's ears. However, being a sensible fellow, he knew it must be a help to her, so he carefully did it every evening. Telling this item to a friend the other day, she quietly remarked, I don't think it would have hurt him to make the fire in the morning for her if he was so anxious to help. So, for fear you will have as little wisdom in the matter as that friend, 
do let me remind you that the duties of a car driver necessitated a departure from the house some time before an economical housekeeper needed a kitchen fire of a summer morning tom said maria rolling dick norton's shirt into a tight little knot and patting it firmly do you like him as well as you used to she did not mean dick norton and tom knew she didn't yes he said thoughtfully pausing in his work of breaking a pine stick in two and speaking slowly yes i like him very much i think he is a grand man this last part of the sentence quick and firm accompanied by a snapping of the pine stick what is hiding behind that answer maria asked with a little laugh in which tom joined nothing he said only some way i have a feeling that he is rather abrupt he goes suddenly from one pole to another in conversation i tell him an item in answer to a question of his that seems to me of some interest and he answers it by asking another question that has no more to do with the subject in hand than this stick has to do with the moon it gives a fellow a sort of feeling that he is simply talking with you to pass the time away or because he thinks he must i hate such kind of talking maria said in quick sympathy with this her beloved brother and indignant that any one should not enjoy a talk with him but he is splendid for all that tom said quickly of course he and i cannot be expected to have many topics in common our lives are very different and tom snapped another kindling in time to cover a bit of a sigh about this time ermina said to her husband oh what a splendid thought what a man you are to plan and do did you really never think of this until your talk with tom tonight the three sisters spent a quiet day together grace went as usual to the store and maria devoted herself to her ironing broken in upon by constant runnings to and fro to care for her father the coming of ermina had broken in upon her practice of the golden rule much to her relief it must be confessed still in a general way she tried not to go directly contrary to its teachings and owing partly to that and partly to the presence and subduing influence of ermina helen and her youngest sister had fewer encounters than usual as for mr harper he seemed suddenly to have become a man of business even though he had boasted but the evening before that he came as a guest with nothing earthly to do for two days but visit he went out immediately after breakfast and dinner was waiting when he returned he waited for but a few minutes talk with the invalid then rushed away again and it was not until after tea that he sat down as one who had accomplished his work whatever it was and was ready for talk well sir he said sitting beside tom in precisely the same attitude that he had taken the evening before and beginning the conversation as though there had been an interruption of but ten minutes are you ready to beard the lion in his den what shape does he happen to assume tom asked laughing and without the remotest idea what his brother-in-law meant it isn't a good simile fighting satan with his own weapons i think you called it that is better well now you gave me a new idea yesterday or started me on a new train of thought and i have been following it out a little to-day now i want to have a business talk with you what are your plans tom's face flushed to work to-morrow just as i have done to-day to the best of my abilities do what i can find to do he said earnestly 
but in the future? I have given up the future, sir. I do not mean by that that I am a lonely old man without a thought or hope in life, and am only engaged in waiting for the end. Tom spoke laughingly, then instantly sobered. But I mean simply that I tried planning. I made a road and meant to walk in it step by step, precisely as I had it marked out, and if ever a fellow's way was hedged so that he could not turn to the right nor the left, mine was. Not startling, solemnizing walls either, but miserable little thorn hedges, so that it was impossible to get over them, and yet I seemed bound to scratch myself by trying. Instead of understanding it, I fought it, and was very near an eternal shipwreck. You know, sir, the awful shadow that stretched around me just in time to save me and the young man's voice grew solemn in its gravity, as it always did when he alluded to the one dark chapter of his life. So now I am afraid of plans. I want to live for to-day. I am not unmindful of to-morrow, and I am not indifferent as to what it will bring. I am only trying to be trustful. I understand, Mr. Harper said, and he felt again that he was talking to a man, not a boy. But now, entirely in keeping with that idea, is of course a certain reverent intention, with the constant reservation, if God wills. Does that sort of plan include a thorough classical education? No, sir. You are very positive in your plans, after all, Mr. Harper said, smiling. Well, said Tom, with great earnestness, as if it was a subject upon which he had thought much, I think I am right, and I will try and make my position clear. That was one of my hedges that I was determined to climb, not so much for the love of books as for a certain ambition that I had, a name that I am convinced now was not a wise one, at least for me. My views have changed. I should never be a hard student for the love of study. If I were to choose a profession now, it would be the ministry, and I do not feel that I am specially called to that work." Instead, I feel an eager calling to a something else. Besides, I have not the time to give in which to get the necessary education. My father and sisters need my help, and, although I am not in a position at present to give them help, yet I am here with them, and am in a degree to be relied upon. And while I am doing the best I can for today, there is always a hope that the tomorrow will come. In short, I feel now an earnest desire to work in the Church of Christ, not as a professional worker, but as a layman. It seems to me that we have a great need of strength in that direction. Amen, said Mr. Harper earnestly. But, my brother, let me ask you, is that what you mean, or rather, is that all you mean, when you speak of feeling an eager calling to something else? No, said Tom, and his face grew grave and strong, and his eyes glowed. I feel a special grudge against one form of Satan. I have a special desire to fight that form whenever and wherever I can, and with whatever weapons I can get hold of. And Satan to you just now means rum? Yes, sir. Now we have reached our point, Mr. Harper said, rising, and walking thoughtfully up and down the room. The stronger weapons you have, of course the better you can fight, and you think the special need just now is a consecrated purse. Verily I believe you are right. Now the question is, are we ready for work? Do you know the Burton House? Yes, sir. Is the locality a good one for a first-class hotel? I don't think a better one could be found, 
and it is elegantly fitted up. Do you know that there is a trouble, a mortgage, and a coming change of hands? I didn't know of that. It is so. I discovered it by the merest accident, one of those incidents at least that we call accidents. I said to Ermina at the time, those gentlemen before me have given me several pieces of news in the course of their conversation, but I don't know a possible place where the information will ever fit in, and here today I found that it fitted. I don't know how a thoughtful man can ever reject the idea of an overruling providence. Well, we must hasten. It is a good chance. I have been to see about it today, and everything is all right, or rather all wrong, with the owner. He needs money, and there is to be a sale. Public it was to have been. I stopped that. We will have a temperance hotel arranged after your own heart. Tom arose and came over to his brother, his whole face beaming with delight and joy. There couldn't be a better place, he said eagerly, and this is just the time for an enterprise of the kind. I really think it will be the grandest thing that was ever done for the cause. But where will you find the man? I don't know where to look for him. I do, Mr. Harper said quietly. Do you? Have you planned that part already? How fast you work! Where is he to be found? He was very eager. Mr. Harper had never seen him so excited. Evidently his whole heart was enlisted in this enterprise. His brother watched his eager face a moment with a smile of satisfaction on his own before he answered, and his answer, when it came, was very quiet and matter-of-fact. I think it is just the thing for you to take hold of. The wonder is that with all my thinking I have never been able to develop anything of the kind. Tom had not been prepared in the least for this conclusion. He was utterly astonished. Nay, he was dumbfounded. He looked like a statue looking at the quiet gentleman before him. When at last he spoke it was in a bewildered voice. I do not think I understand. Do you think I would do for clerk in such an establishment? The business, you know, is utterly new to me, but then my heart would be in it. I think I might do it. But such a thing had not occurred to me. I mean nothing of the kind, my brother. Mr. Harper had a very peculiar way of saying those words. It may have been the fact that he had loved and lost a brother that gave such a tenderness to his voice, or it may have been that Tom had never known how pleasant they were that made those words sound so much like music to him. I mean nothing of the kind, my brother. Doubtless a clerk will be needed, and there flashed across my mind a name last evening that I thought might be trained to serve in that capacity. But what I am telling you is, that if you will go into this thing with all your soul, and see what you can work out for his glory, why the building and the funds to back it to the extent of my ability shall be at your disposal. Now what say you? Tom turned suddenly from him and walked to the window. It was impossible to speak just then. It was but for a moment. Then he came back, and there wasn't a vestige of a tremble to his voice. Instead, there was a ring of triumph in it. It is the effort to which I have consecrated my life, just so far as I had allowed myself to have an effort. I believe God will bless it. I had not hoped to see the way clear for years and years, but I believe I can do it. I believe you can. Mr. Harper said, in as earnest a voice as the young man's had been. At least it is an object well worth trying for. We will try it with all our hearts. 
At this point a thought, which generally is supposed to be uppermost in business transactions, seemed to flash across Tom's brain. Do you suppose such an effort can be made to pay its way? And there was a touch of doubt and anxiety in his voice. No, said Mr. Harper decidedly, and you are not to trammel your ideas and effort with any such consideration. Part of its expenses the thing will doubtless pay, and as for the rest, don't you remember those purses you so unmercifully stormed last evening? I have one of them, please remember, and I verily believe it has not been consecrated to this object as it should have been, and as I thought it was. The ready blood mounted in waves to Tom's forehead. I did not know, I mean, I did not think of such a thing, he began in embarrassment. Indeed, I did not think of you at all. Mr. Harper interrupted him with a cordial laugh. Do you suppose I think you did? he said heartily. The arrow was no less sharp because it found its mark without being aimed. I thank you for it. It is the truth. My dear brother, you and I are brethren. And then the two men shook hands heartily, silently, and each had a new realization of the meaning of that word. End of chapter 4